You are listening to you are listening to Passing Shots with Pete Zebron on the Pro Ten Radio Network, a production of Pro Ten Global Sports. Enjoy the show. And good evening and welcome to Passing Shots on the Pro 10 Radio Network. This is Pete Zebron of Tennis Acumen, joined this evening by Stephanie Neppel of I Have a Tennis Addiction. And we have a very special guest tonight, three-time All-American at the University of Southern California, who is in action this week at the surprise $25,000 challenger tournament in Surprise, Arizona, Maria Sanchez. Good evening, Stephanie. Good evening, Maria. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Absolutely. And, uh, Maria, really nice to have you on today uh, on the 19th of February, a Thursday. And uh, got some questions for you with respect to uh, your collegiate career and a little bit about your professional career as well. And I'm going to have Steph lead us off tonight. Well, Maria, obviously you are a three-time All-American at USC, and you've been out for a few years. But what do you what do you miss most about your college tennis days compared to what life is like for you now on the tour? Uh, I miss the team aspect of it. Uh, my coaches were great, and uh, I loved my teammates. You really form, you know, a special bond with those people that you play with every day. You practice with them. And then you go and you go to the matches and you have them right by your side supporting you. So I think that's the biggest thing I miss. Um, now on tour, it's it's all you. And luckily I have a coach here with me. But um, you, know, you just don't have that team camaraderie you had in college. And I know that your former teammates are now your opponents, so that's got to be a bit fun <laughs> for you as well. Yeah. Um, so college tennis is, you know, and I've followed pro tennis for many, many years, but college tennis seems to be getting a lot more attention in recent years. And I actually used to work for the ITA and, and did a lot of research into, you know, how well male and females were doing on the tour. And I just thought, you know, we've have someone like someone like Nicole Gibbs is having a good run right now. Mallory Burdett, who obviously these are used to be some of your tough opponents from Stanford uh, days, but you know, Burdett has retired. But do you have any thoughts on why we really haven't seen like a big kind of Isner breakthrough on the women's side? Have you had any insight into that at all? Um. Hmm. Uh, that's, I don't know, that's a tough question. Um, I think, uh, I mean, there's a lot of great players in college and, um, you know, a lot of them have come out now and starting to play on tour, um, you know, and they're, they're kind of in their beginning of their career on tour. So, I mean, I think you could. I think it's definitely possible to see um more and more women going to college and then having success on the tour after college. Yeah, there's obviously a lot of people that choose the college route and others that go through other, other um, you know, USTA or, or other types of coaching. But, you know, it was just an interesting, I guess, project I kind of had was really looking at how well, and obviously there's players like you and, and Gibbs and Burdett who had been out for a few years. And, you know, it's fun to track your successes as well, it's especially, you know, for you, you played four years, I believe, at USC, and some people mm-hmm. leave after 
a couple years, but you know, it's just a really interesting kind of trend right now. There's a lot more um attention on college players, so which is which is great. It's good exposure. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a great route and um yeah, I think more men have actually gone to college first and and gone pro after than women, but I think you know, more and more women are really starting to explore that option. Very good. And uh, Maria, I was wondering, uh, you know, with respect, you've been on the pro tour for for a few years now. But uh, do you still uh, do you still follow and, and watch collegiate tennis at all? Yeah, um, I usually try to make it out to one or two dual matches um, during the year. Um, it's tough always being on the road now, but um, yeah, I still I keep in touch with my college coaches, Richard and Wes. I talk to them, you know, every week or two, and. Um, and, you know, they just kind of fill me in on how the team's doing. And so I definitely feel, you know, still close to the college tennis scene. But, unfortunately, I'm just not able to go to as many matches as I would like to. Sure. And you mentioned, you know, the team concept of uh, of, of playing at the University of Southern California as opposed to now you're you're more on your own. Uh, certainly you've got your, your coaches and whatnot. But what what has really surprised you most about life on, on the pro tour? Um, I think really um, almost like the lack of balance that you have on tour. I mean, my whole life I've always played other sports growing up, and then in college I had school and tennis and, you know, the whole social scene. And now on tour it's, you know, um, all tennis, you know, for for good reason too. And, um, you know, I enjoy it, but it was definitely an adjustment kind of, turning all of my focus to the tennis court and um without without going overboard with it but um I think that's you know been you know the biggest surprise so Marie, you said you obviously don't have as much time as you would like to uh, to go watch your former team play. But do you do you actually watch a lot of tennis? Like when you're at when you're on site at tournaments or on TV, do you do you watch a lot of tennis? Yeah, I watch uh, the Grand Slams on TV. Um, you know, the Australian Open. I was watching every night what was going on over there, and you know, it's fun it's, and it's good for me to see what the top players are doing. Um, mm-hmm. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's a good thing to be able to watch the tennis on TV. Do you do it because you love it, or to kind of you know study other players, or you know, is it sort of a combination of both? Um. Yeah, both. I mean, I enjoy watching the matches. It's entertaining. Um, but then I also want to see what, what the top players are doing, how they're competing, and um, how they're playing. Who are your favorites on tour right now that you enjoy watching? Uh, I mean, I love Federer. I love Djokovic. Um, those guys are great for the sport and just a lot of fun to watch. Um, on the women's side, um, I love watching the Williams sisters. Um, especially Serena being the best. Um, and, I mean, I used to like watching Kim Kleister's a lot, but then she retired. <laughs> yeah, um, except for when she has to go play during exhibition matches when her, when she had a, <laughs> her Carlos Suarez Navarro had pulled out in the final the other day at the tournament that Kim's working at. I don't know if you've you caught up with that, but she's a tournament director and 
the final was a walkover, so Kim actually hopped in and played Andrea Petkovic, um, which is quite nice if your tournament director is a former pro who can still hold her own on the court. So, yeah, she's definitely oh, wow. a fan favorite. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Maria, I know you've won a, a... Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Pete, Pete, you're fading in a little bit. um, Okay. Uh, You want to take the question, Steph? Go for it, please. Oh, no, it's a lot better now. You're good. Okay, sorry about that. Um, Sure, Marie, I I know you've won a couple of ITF titles, but uh, was wondering what you consider to be your best result on tour. Would it be uh, those tournament wins or perhaps a a signature win uh, at another event somewhere? Um, I mean, I think those were, um, you know, a couple of my biggest successes on tour. And then when I won um, the Auckland WTA in doubles, that was um, big for just um me as a professional and um my all around game. Um I love playing on grass. I had a, a pretty good uh tournament on at Birmingham um two years ago. And so um I think I actually got my biggest win there beating a girl ranked in like the sixties or something. But um yeah, I mean I think those two tournaments, I mean anytime you win a tournament it's just it feels great, and it's a big step for your career. So, Maria, we're obviously just at the beginning of the season. Um, what sort of goals have you set for yourself for this year? Um, right now, I mean, I'm just trying to get in a lot of matches and, um, you know, fight through the hard times and um, know that it's going to get better and you just keep working on your game and developing your game and getting in as many matches as you can and um, giving my, putting myself in a position to uh, be playing more matches and getting further and further in tournaments. And um, so, I mean, I always set little goals for me, but I don't really like to set, um, you know, big, you know, yearly goals or anything mm-hmm. like that. You're you're on the road quite a bit, and and sometimes the you know the ITF events you you get to visit some interesting off off the path places. What uh, where what's or you know you play the majors as well the, uh, the the qualification rounds and hopefully getting into the main draw. But uh, really, one, wondering what uh, the most interesting place on tour that you've uh, visited uh, to date and and why that is, please. Um, well, I love the U.S. Open, just the atmosphere there, all the people. There's so much energy. Um, so, I mean, I love that. I love um, the Acapulco WTA in Mexico. That's actually getting ready to start um, next week. I think, I mean, that one's beautiful. You, like, the, your, um, the tennis courts and the hotel are all in the same resort, so you just walk everywhere and um to get from your hotel to the courts it's um you're basically walking along the water so that's really nice and kind of a treat to get to go play at that one um but you know there's I've been surprised by some of the um some of the ITFs that that have been held in pretty cool places um Captiva Island is is a fun one um you're also there kind of walking from the hotel to the courts and the water's there. Um, Albuquerque's a really pretty city, too. 
So it's it's nice. It's definitely a perk to being a professional tennis player, getting to travel and see new places. Sure, thanks. And, and you know, uh, with, uh, obviously you, you won a couple of matches today, uh, Maria, a singles match and a doubles match here in the in the uh, quarterfinals for uh, singles. I was wondering, um, you know, Jim, Jim Courier, uh, I would go to his event here in Surprise every year. Um, you know, the Legends Tour, uh, you have Pete Sampras uh, out here, Michael Chang, actually Martina Navratilova and Anna Kornikova and, excuse me, and Tracy Austin have been here of the last few years, and one of the things Jim Courier always said when he was playing here in Surprise was, oh, you know, the altitude, the altitude. Well, we're not that high up. We're probably at about uh, 1,200 or 1,300 elevation here, but I was wondering if uh, playing here in Surprise is any different for you and your game, and uh, if you could talk a little bit about the uh, the conditions here this week uh, in Surprise that uh, maybe at how that differs from uh, from the rest of the tour, if at all. Yeah, actually, uh, my coach and I were just talking about that. I mean, there's not really altitude here, but you kind of feel like you're playing in altitude because um, the ball kind of flies on you a little bit, and I think it's because maybe the air is a little thinner and drier um, and, um, you know, makes it a little bit harder to breathe, too. So I think just because the ball flies a little bit more, but that's usually the case when you play in the desert. Um, So... I mean, it kind of feels like altitude, but even though it's not really. Um, but so, I mean, I've just had to make adjustments with that and you know, just try and put a little more spin on the ball, bring the court in and my targets in a little bit more. Um, but, I mean, the weather's been really nice here. You can't really ask for better playing weather. Um, you know, not having any rain or humidity to worry about, and it's just been, you know, sunny and 80 every day, so... You know, it's it is a nice place to have a tournament. Well, obviously the the, the weather's agreeing with you. you. Had a couple of wins today, and unfortunately, your former teammate Danielle Lau won't be joining you tomorrow. That you guys would have played, but you do play Wariski, so maybe she can give you some pointers about that. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably um, text Danielle and see how her match went. It's too bad, mm-hmm. you know. It's always nice to see Trojans going further in tournaments. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, Maria, I wanted to uh, ask you have anything else you'd like to share with us uh, with respect to uh, your uh, your professional tennis career, something that we might not know about you, or uh, again, I know Steph mentioned it earlier, but uh, you know, what would be what would be a, a really big accomplishment for you here in, in 2015? And, and obviously, we we wish you all the best, and, and certainly to stay healthy. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think my next goal is to reach top 100, and um, from there, you're basically you're basically guaranteed um, main draw entry to all the Grand Slams. And you know, once that happens, anything can happen. Really, you see a lot of um, you know big results for players at Grand Slams, and um, so I mean, that's my next goal. And right now, I just have to take it match by match, and um, you know, hopefully see my ranking continue to go up and get to play in the bigger tournaments. We well, wish you a lot of luck. Sure. We'll be following along tomorrow with all the action and surprise again. It's nice to have all the live uh, scoring and following along with you guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on.
Sure, Maria, and I will uh, I will be in attendance tomorrow in Surprise. I live uh, a little more than an hour away, but uh, I was planning on going to uh, one of the days, and uh, certainly, again, uh, the quarterfinals, uh, again, like you mentioned, we're 80, 82 degrees and just uh, perfect weather here, so uh, I'm going to be able to uh, to attend the quarterfinals tomorrow in Surprise and certainly look forward to uh, to watching you in action tomorrow. Oh, great. I'll see you tomorrow then. Absolutely, Maria, and um, thank you so much, uh, Maria Sanchez, for joining Stephanie and I on Passing Shots on the Pro 10 Radio Network. We're going to pause for a break, and when we come back, Stephanie and I are going to talk about all the action in Dubai as well as a couple of tournaments last week in Antwerp and Capacity, and we'll come back on Passing Shots on the Pro 10 Radio Network right after this. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke Summer sound effects on you? Yeah. Cool. You okay with this? And this. And what about this? Ha! Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. Little Caesars, home of the $5 hot and ready pepperoni pizza, now has a deep, deep dish pizza with eight crispy caramelized corner slices and even more cheese and pepperoni. So head on down and grab a large for just eight bucks and tell them Alan Varner sent you. They won't know who that is, but as a voice actor, I'm always trying to get my name out there. Check me out at alandoesvoices.com. That's A-L-A-N doesvoices.com. But first, get the new deep, deep dish pizza. It's hot and ready every day from 4 to 8 p.m. for just 8 bucks, only at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations plus tax. Hi, this is Dick Gould. You're listening to the Pro 10 Radio Network. And welcome back to Passing Shots on the Pro 10 Radio Network. Pete Zebron of Tennis Acumen and Stephanie Neppel of I Have a Tennis Addiction. And, Steph, that was really cool to be able to talk to uh, professional player Maria Sanchez in action here in Surprise, Arizona, winner of both a singles match and a doubles match here today. I uh, we came on the air, I shared with Maria, I saw her get to uh, the finals of the now-defunct Goldwater 75000 challenger in phoenix in november of 2012 on her way to the final she beat uh, none other than uh, Jeannie bouchard and camilla georgie before losing in that final to madison keys so maria sanchez can play some solid tennis as i mentioned i look forward to uh, to seeing her in action tomorrow in surprise but um Halfway across the globe, we've got uh, a dynamite women's tournament going on in Dubai. And um, Steph, despite the fact that Serena Williams and Maria Sharapova, the two top players in the world, are not in this draw, the the matchups in Dubai have just been spectacular uh, day in and day out. Um, we'll, we'll talk about some specific matchups, but your your thoughts and overview of what we've seen so far to date in Dubai. You know, every night I've gone, I've had the question with myself of whether I should set my alarm for 3 o'clock in the morning because it really is a slam caliber draw. I mean, yes, Serena did pull out with the cold that she's been struggling with, and Maria chose to skip Dubai this year, but otherwise the rest of the top 10 is there. I'm not sure how many of the top 20, but... The matchups have been incredible. Every day has just been scintillating, and I think the match quality has been really intriguing. 
Um, you know, there's been some some messy three-set wins, but there's just been a lot of drama and just really compelling tennis, which is about all you can ask sometimes. And, uh, you know, I was watching uh, today. We had uh, woke up to a couple upsets yesterday. Today were some wonderful matches, including Simona Halep, who is the top seed in the absence of Serena pulling out. And she played Ekaterina Makarova. Now, they just played the, the quarterfinal in Australia in January, and it was a really easy win uh, for Makarova. Today was just nothing but nothing easy for either player. It was a very compelling 7-5 in the third set match. Um, I mean, three of the four quarterfinals today went three sets, and they went deep in the third. So, you know, it's really exciting. I, I really can't wait for the semifinals tomorrow, but it's definitely been a huge event um, in terms of excitement and just top players really playing great tennis. Completely agree, and, and you know, mentioned number one and number two are not here. The top seed is the number three player in the world. They're actually number four now, Simona Halep, who was three when the draw was uh, made. But, you know, uh, she's the number one seed at the third rank. Uh, the twenty, the 16th seed was uh, Peng Shui at number 21. And, uh, you know, you mentioned a, a, a grand slam, a major caliber, even probably more so because uh, with, the, with the draw of 64, uh, you've got just heavy-hitting action right out of the gate, which is what we've seen every order of play. You look up and down, I mean, there's there's four concurrent matches going on, and, and even, you know, the doubles matchups were, were blockbusters as well, and there's just there there just wasn't enough time to, to see everything. And, and you're right, I didn't know what time. Should I stay up late? Should I get up early? Where can I sneak in a couple hours of sleep where I can uh, see what I want? And uh, I kind of... Uh, waved the surrender hanky at one point saying, you know, I, I'll do my best here, but uh, obviously I won't be able to see it all. And, um, you know, you mentioned the semifinals. Uh, you know, I, every every day on Twitter I, I put out the intriguing matches of the day for the following day, the, the, the men's matches and the women's matches. And, Steph, I mean, this is, this is how interesting it is right now where I put 17-seeded uh, uh, Caroline Pliskova against uh, – Darbin Muguruza as as a more intriguing match, a 17 seed versus a non seed, over the number one seed Simona Halep against the third seed Caroline Wozniacki. Pliskova and Muguruza are just they seem to be the stories of 2015 right now, and for them to be able to be matching up in the semifinal uh, in in Dubai, that, that's all we can ask for. I agree. I mean, there Pliskova is definitely going to be in the top 20. Muguruza is on the in, on the verge of cracking the top 20. I mean, talk about two up and coming exciting players. Both of them have been on the radar for you know more Muguruza than Pliskova. But Pliskova, you know, she knocked out Ivanovic at the U.S. Open last year. She has a twin sister. For a while, it was a lot of confusion of who was who because you know they weren't really standing out individually in singles. But you know, Carolina has just done had fantastic results the last six months. I did pick her, of course, to make the final in Antwerp last week, and I was wrong um, in that match. But I really think that that match against Garbine is going to be fantastic tomorrow. Really excited for that. Pliskova has a huge serve. She's, you know, second to Serena in basically all the serving stats. You know, she's an incredible, um, you know, just incredible shot maker. Muguruza has been having a, f- a fantastic year as well. They both over- had three set wins today. And, of course, Muguruza had to beat her doubles um, 
partner, uh, Carlos Suarez Navarro, and then they teamed up to hold on to a two-set win over the Rodianova sisters. Um, in doubles, which I did catch a little bit of that. And like you said, that even the doubles matchups have been great this week as well in Dubai. So um, I'm going to pick Muguruza to, to to get through to the final. Who are you going to choose? I, I am as well. Uh, you know, I was on uh, Dave Gertler's Australian show earlier in the year, and, and uh, I had uh, uh, Garbine as, as really uh, the, the top female to watch this year. And, uh, you know, one of the early tournaments in Australia, he said, so you're picking her to win the final. I said, no, not quite yet, not out of the gate, but I really think she's going to have a fantastic year. I, I liked what she did last year. Obviously, I, I, I was really thoroughly impressed with uh, how, how well she's competed against Serena Williams uh, a few times now. And uh, I would take that uh, – I, I, I'm going to take uh, – Garbine as well to to win that semifinal um, uh, over uh, Pliskova, taking nothing away from Pliskova. It's a shame that one of these ladies has to lose, but I think uh, Garbine is going to get the job done. And on top, I I think uh, Simona Halep has has figured things out. She was hiccuping for a while there, and, you know, I I saw a few things that she said uh, today. You know, I fought the whole way through the match today. I didn't do that in Australia, and uh, I think a lot of us were wondering, you know, why not, what happened. But Simona Halep, I think, has found her way back. Who who do you like uh, top half of the draw there, stuff? That's a really tough one. You know, they've only played twice. Uh, they played here two years ago when I think the year that Wozniacki won this event, and they played again in New Haven in 2013. So, you know, they didn't play last year. So they really haven't played, I, I think, when they were both really kind of top players because in 2013 it was Wozniacki sliding and Halep was kind of making a name for it, and, and she did beat her in New Haven and the Wozniacki, I mean, they were people jokingly called it the Wozniacki Open because she had won it. I think she won it four straight years or something like that. Um, so it, I think it's really intriguing now that they are both top five players. Wozniacki's been sick. I mean, she did not, she didn't look happy. You know, anytime she was on the, cha- you know, she looked a little bit exasperated today. Anytime she missed easy shots, she just kept looking at her father like, you know, why did you do that? Uh, which was kind of amusing, but she definitely did take some some medicine. She was blowing her nose. She didn't sound great. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, I know her, her BFF, Serena, you know, was able to show how you can win when you're sick when she won the Australian Open this year. But I just, I feel like Wozniacki probably to, to beat Halep probably needs to be feeling a little bit better than she is. But you're right, Halep showed great fight today, and, and I did tweet, you know, yes, I appreciate the fight today, but where was this in the Australian Open? And I had a couple people that tweeted me back, and they said, well, where was Makarova during the Sharapova match? Which, okay, I, 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 it's a good point, but I kind of expected it more out of Halep. You know, Makarova's been around for years. She's she's not made, you know, she's made a couple slam semifinals, but she's a little bit of a streaky player. She's not that consistent. So for me, I wasn't as surprised to see Makarova not do great against Sharapova in the in the Australian Open semifinals, and I did expect more out of Halep. I do think that there's a bigger upside to her, um, but it, it was a fantastic match today. It was really exciting. Both players fighting. The crowd was loving it. You know, there's a lot of Romanian fans in the crowd, and I think that that really. I think Halep kind of needs that. She definitely. You know, it's a new feeling when you're the hunted, and she's a lot of top players acknowledge that. Um, I'm I'm gonna say that I think Waz is gonna clip her though, but okay. I could be completely wrong. But I I I hope to see Wozniacki 
playing well, I think, today in the match against Panetta. It was kind of a sloppy first set, and then Wozniacki kind of ran away with it. But um, it should be a great matchup. I'm really looking forward to that one and, and very happy it's the second match on, so I don't have to set my alarm for a crazy o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> so you're looking Good at call. so you believe Good we're going to have a Muguruza Halep final. Who do you who do you like in that matchup then? I, I think uh, Simona Halep has righted the ship, and and uh, mm-hmm. you know Garbin is. Uh, I, I think. You know, realistically, again, we talked about so many uh, big names and so many blockbuster matchups. I, I think that uh, that Halep has uh, was going to have more gas in the tank here at this point. I, I, I think that uh, Irving, you know, will play well again tomorrow. But uh, with respect to the final, I'm going to go with Simona Halep and, and do what uh, what some people thought uh, probably should have been done in Australia, even win that title. I did not pick her to win the title. I picked Serena Williams, but was very surprised at uh, at, at her loss uh, there. I think she has uh, figured some things out here this week in Dubai and um, going to pick her to win uh, her next two matches uh, uh, to win the title in uh, in Dubai, Simone Halep, 2015 Dubai champ. Well, she won Doha last year. She obviously, you know, likes the conditions down in, in the Middle East. So, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if she sweeps both tournaments. To be honest, and I, I do I do agree with you. I think that she's. I mean, this is actually I saw I believe a tweet that this is the first top forty five win that that Simona has had this year. Mm. She's lost to the other opponents that she's faced. Uh, you know, so maybe getting over that hump and having a really tough win, especially coming off a hard loss to Makarva, you know, definitely could mm-hmm. kind of help you know, Simona's psyche a bit and help her really dig deep. Because I think that people are expecting that of her, and I think that's when when you become a top three player, you make slam finals, you win a lot. People definitely expect a lot, and they also expect you to have a champion's mentality. And I think that's where Halep got a lot of stick after some of the comments that we've talked about that she made in Singapore, that she made after that quarterfinal loss in Australia. And I, I like the fact that she talked today about the fact that she didn't fight all the way in that match in, in Melbourne. She knows that. And she expects more of herself. And so I think that anytime she starts to kind of be a bit more self-aware um, of, of really every part of her game and her mental um, game as well on, on the court, I think that's going to help her become a really solid top player because I'm sure it is hard now that she's winning everyone wants mm-hmm. to beat her but she wants to prove herself as well and it'll be that's why it's hard to call a match with Wozniacki because you know Wozniacki fell hard out of the top 10 I think she was even on the verge of being out of the top 20 after being number one for mm-hmm. so long so you know she's still kind of calling her way back and she I mean I know she'll fight hard in that match as well so I'm really excited about it, it should be great Completely agree. A, a wonderful, just the, the the outstanding days of women's tennis this week in Dubai are are just off the charts uh, with respect to what we're seeing, and and with the exception of a few sloppy uh, sets or matches here or there, but uh, the big names are are bringing it. And uh, yeah, nice to see the semifinal lineup that we have uh, that we're going to look forward to watching tomorrow. Uh, Steph, we wouldn't do this tournament justice if we didn't. Uh, backtrack a little bit and talk about some of the matchups that happened earlier in the week. I've got a couple uh, that that I want to discuss with you, and then I know you've got a few as well, but um, going back to uh, a round match, and uh, Venus Williams had a first round bye, but uh, 
she played uh, Belinda Bencic in the second round, the the young Swiss, who um, had a, a nice win over uh, Corinne Knapp in the first round. But then what really surprised me here, and again, all credit, Venus Williams is having a fantastic 2015 and, again, has, has done very well at uh, at this tournament here in Dubai uh, for the last two few appearances, for that matter. But the thing that jumped out at me was the scoreline. Venus Williams over Belinda Bencic, 6-1, 6-2, a second round demolishing of uh, of the young Swiss. You're, um, was this as lopsided as it was, or, you know, what, uh, is Venus, was Venus playing that well in that match, or was Bencic just completely overwhelmed by the uh, situation? You know, I was out of town Monday, and so I, I was following the scoreboard, and then I was watching, try to watch a little bit on the tennis TV app on my phone, but, you know, Twitter was just drooling at Venus's play. And so when I got home, I sat and I watched the whole match, I would say that 80% of the scoreline had everything to do with how well Venus was hitting the ball. She was hitting just immensely with just the the depth and the placement and the the power that you you know that we we've grown to kind of accept as normal from Venus, but you know she she can really has thrown in a lot of errors in the last you know years as well, and it was just such a clean match from her. It was unbelievable, and Benches just couldn't really do a lot, and there were a lot more rallies in the second set um, compared to the first, but. You know, Bentich actually did double fault down break point, I believe, three times. So that's certainly something she's going to need to dig deep with because, you know, on a pressure point like that, when you're trying to hold serve against someone that can return so well, like Venus, I mean, clearly that was, you know, part of the issue. But it was there were some wonderful rallies in the match, but my takeaway was more about how amazing Venus looked than, you know, Bencic um, being off, because I really don't think Belinda played that bad. I just think there was very little that she could do, um, you know, against Venus. And, and I mean, it was it, it was it was over an hour. I think it was about 70 minutes, so it certainly wasn't, you know, a 45-minute dusting or anything like that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it was an incredible match, and I think that uh, that almost makes it a little bit more disappointing that, that Venus didn't follow that up with as good of a match against Lucy Savasheva. But from all reports, because right, right. I didn't watch it, Savasheva played the match where it completely was on her racket. She couldn't miss. So, you know, yeah. it was it was a shame that Venus really couldn't, couldn't keep her Dubai run going. But she'd won 16 straight matches in Dubai. She's won the title three times. Right. What it does mean is that her ranking is going to slide down a bit. You know, she was on the verge of the top ten. And because players like Muguruza and Pliskova are having such a good run, Venus is could potentially be down around 17, 18, you know, when it's all said and done because she didn't defend her title here. But, you know, I, I hopefully it's just a little bit of a blip for her. I do think that we've seen a lot more consistency in Venus to start this season. So I'm going to say, you know, it's a shame that she couldn't keep that up. But Lucy, again, is, you know, she's she's always a dangerous opponent. You know, it took Pliskova three yeah. tough sets to get past her um, in their match that they played uh, yesterday, or sorry, today. It's hard to keep track, but, you know, uh, Pliskova won that 6-4 in third against Shabashova. So that was, um, you know, Lucy certainly didn't cave in her next match after beating Venus because I don't believe she's beaten Venus too many times. So that was a pretty big win for Lucy. Yeah, and, and I wanted to credit uh, Lucy Shapova for uh, a wonderful tournament. Uh, her results this week took out Monica Puig, took out Casey Delacqua, took out Venus Williams, and uh, again, her countrywoman Pliskova. 
uh, took the first set from Pliskova and uh, very nearly and lost the second set in a tiebreaker. So very nearly uh, would have uh, matched up with with Muguruza. So a wonderful week for her. Nice to see her playing some some good tennis. And uh, sticking with the Czechs for a second, um, Steph. I wanted another result that uh, surprised me for a couple of reasons. Here was a a uh, third round matchup. Uh, Carla Suarez Navarro took out Petra Kvitova and. Uh, Suarez Navarro had a bye in the first round, as did uh, Kvitova, but a nice win for Suarez Navarro over Camilla Georgi to get to the Kvitova matchup in the third round. And I guess a, a couple things here. Obviously, we know what Petra can do on grass. Two-time Wimbledon champion, solid. Uh, you know, off of off of grass, uh, somewhat disappointing. I, I'm really surprised that we don't see more consistency from her, but Suarez Navarro, someone who did not play the final, advanced to the final in Antwerp and uh, was not able to play uh, the final against uh, Andrea Petkovic, get, getting uh, Petkovic the win there. How does somebody turn around this quickly from a neck injury, uh, take out uh, a big swinger in Georgie, and then, uh, you know, taking out uh, Kvitova, that, that's the match I want to talk about. And then she actually mm-hmm. lost to uh, Muguruza in that uh, quarter. But Petra Kvitova, I want to ask you about uh, why why is it that we're not seeing bigger and better results from her outside of uh, Wimbledon. You know, she's such a dangerous player. And, you know, obviously she's won Wimbledon twice, but indoors she really had a great streak going there. And she's still a player you don't want to play indoors on a hard court too often. But, um, you know, in Melbourne this year, and I mean, she she won Brisbane? No. I'm I'm forgetting where so. Kavita played before. Um the Australian Open just blanking all of a sudden, but you know the all the reports in Australia was that she was as fit as people had seen her. You know she hired, I believe, Lena's personal trainer. Um, right, you know, and, right. and they're very good friends, and, and you, know, you could tell she definitely looked um, looked fitter. I mean, she has every weapon out there, but she just she just can't find the consistency. And and I did watch the match she played against Svitolina. Obviously, Svitolina is a dangerous player. She took, you know, three into the three sets in Melbourne. She's always been a player that, you know, she's still young, got all all the strokes, and, and, you know, Petra did come back from losing the first set and then played Suarez Navarro. And it's she's just all over the show. She just cannot – I don't know if she just – she goes for the lines too much. She doesn't give herself enough of margin for error. And so she just – you know, she just – because she just hits so flat – she misses wildly so often, and she can be so frustrating because she's such an amazing player. You know, she's a tricky lefty. I mean, she could easily be number one in the world. And so sometimes I just get frustrated watching her because she's so erratic. But then, you know, in, in five seconds she'll turn it around, and all of a sudden she's the most amazing player you've ever seen. Um, you know, we've seen that. I mean, I was in Singapore, and, you know, she was playing Sharapova, and just all of a sudden she couldn't miss. And... uh you know, but Suarez Navarro, she did lose the first round of the Australian Open. Like you said, she made the final in Antwerp, was able to, you know, get over that neck injury quickly and, and take her out. I didn't see any of that match, but um, it's just a consistency problem. I really don't know if it's ever going to be anything but that. Um, do you think that she, this is just going to be what her career is, where she kind of has flashes of brilliance and then can, can lose to anybody? Because it's kind of well, she's I, just been on a roller coaster the last few years. Do you think we're going to get more of the same this year from Petra? 
Well, a couple of things. Number one, uh, just I, I looked it up very quickly. She won Sydney. She took uh, she beat Pliskova in two tiebreakers, uh, winning those five and six to win the Sydney title. So um, that's where she yeah. was uh, before the Australian Open. So good good result for her there. But getting back to your question, sure, I like uh, I, I like what I've heard a couple of things. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, people are saying this is the fittest we've seen her in a while. She's got uh, good people in her camp at this point in time. I just go back to you know, uh, having you know been in press conferences with her in, in Cincinnati where it can be hot and humid and her breathing issues, her breathing problems, if you will, uh, uh, you know, that uh, she tends to uh, wilt a little bit in the heat. It almost reminded me a little bit of what Djokovic used to go through. But um, mm-hmm. I think we're going to see bigger and better from, from Petra. Obviously, uh, always uh, uh, one of the favorites at Wimbledon. She's proven that a couple of times. But I think – She's going to uh, steady the course here with respect to you know, getting the right people uh, with her, whether it's a diet change or, or a something change with respect to being able to compete not only in the heat but, uh, but on the hard courts. I, uh, I, I think we're going to see Petra Gavidov. I, I even think she's going to win a, a hard court major or two possibly, at least one. Um, I, I like to see some, some things at the back end of 2015, um, but I, I think – we're going to. I think she's going to be the the player that we've all been waiting for her to become outside of uh, you know the the lawns of England, if you will. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I you so. know, the, the the Serena Sharapova, call it an unrivalry rivalry. It's always going to be compelling, but to have that crazy head to head between the number one and number two is just never a great narrative. Um, but Petra is someone that can challenge Serena. I mean, it, it, it was interesting. Uh, it's been two years since Serena took the number one spot back, and she did it by beating Kvitova, I believe it was in the quarters of Doha, two years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, Kvitova, I believe um, that was probably their closest match. I mean, it was, I think it was 7-5 in the third set. Serena won that. And, you know, those two just do not play enough. You know, we've seen plenty of Venus Kvitova matches, which I believe are, I mean, they're heartbreaking to me, someone who loves Venus. And, you know, she always seems to kind of play so amazing against Petra and not quite, you know, beat her. But Serena-Petra matches, we just need to see more of them. I, I, you know, I, I would love to see them in a slam final. I mean, we really deserve to have that Wimbledon final this year. I mean, I pray to the tennis gods we get Serena-Petra on grass because that needs to happen. Um but, you know, I, I just keep hoping for good things. You know, Petra has had consi- consistency in her coaching for a while. I think she's gotten used to the spotlight. You know, she does have a PR person, and she's been a lot more, doing a lot more media and publicity. And, and she's really funny. You know, she's you know you see these great uh, social media posts from her. She's got a great personality. Her English is so much more improved. You know, I think when she won Wimbledon in 2011, you know, English wasn't great. She wasn't quite this polished, you know, pro that she is now, and she's a lot savvier. And I think that now would be great to have, you know, the complete player that's dynamic on and off the court. And so I would just love to see her really get some more consistency. But, you know, not to take away from Suarez Navarro, I I watched a little bit of her match against Schiavone last week in Antwerp. I mean, I don't think Carla gets as much credit as she should. She is a fantastic player. I mean, everyone dreams about her one-handed backhand, but, I mean, goodness, she can just play amazing tennis. And so, you know, it's great to see her um, 
continuing some good consistency as well. Obviously, losing today in a tough three-set match to her doubles uh, teammate, but still, you know, a couple great back-to-back tournaments for Suarez Navarro. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how she continues to do on the hard court um, chunk of the year that we're we're now in. Uh, yes, I, I completely agree. A really good result for her this week in Dubai. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, she's had a couple of solid weeks uh, here uh, the last couple of weeks on, on tour. So that, that that remains to be seen. But I agree with you. Uh, does not Certainly does not get the credit uh, that she deserves. And, um, Steph, one other match, uh, you know, looking at the draw here, this is one that you pointed out. And um, uh, we talked about Pliskova and the fact that she's just on fire so far in 2015. But, the match uh, where she took out uh, Ivanovic, uh, that was a third round match, and uh, she won that in in three sets, uh, six two four six six four. Um, was this, in your opinion, just a matter of uh, the fact that Pliskova is just playing so well, or uh, uh, did Ivanovic uh, maybe contribute to that result, uh, or was this just all Pliskova at this point? Well, you know, Anna revealed after she lost to the Australian Open that she had a broken toe, and so that really did affect her uh, during her matches in Australia. And then, you know, we hadn't seen her since then. Uh, she did easily beat Lisicki, um love and three. And, of course, Pliskova is the one who took her out at the U.S. Open last year. Um, I didn't see much of the match, but I do know that I believe that Anna was down a break in that third set and came back to level it, but... Um, I really do think it, it says more about Pliskova being about a lot more on form, in form. I'm sorry, and I think because Anna has had an injury, um, you know, that probably played a little bit of a factor in that. But you know, if you look at Anna, she's still, um, you know, she had a very, very good year last year. Um, but you know, she talked about how slams were her priority. Okay, so she she lost early in Melbourne with this injury. Um, you know, is she going to actually be able to show the consistency at slams that she wants? I don't know. But I do think this one was more about the fact that Pushkova is just a very tough opponent right now. I mean, she, you know, Anna did um, come back from losing that first set. And then 6-4 in the third, obviously, it was a very close match. But, um, you know, again, with someone like Anna, who, you know, has been around for a number of years, has always been talked about, um, because she was number one and won a slam, but she's just kind of drifted in and out. And, and, and it's great that she made it back to the top five. I think she's just dropped down a little bit now because Wozniacki's up to five. But, uh, you know, Pliskova's just going to be pushing and pushing. I think she doesn't have that much to defend this year. I think she's, yeah, it's it's it's, it's exciting. I mean, you talk about Czech tennis. I mean, we've oh, already got pet, wow. you know, Lucy's obviously been someone who's been top, um, you know, top 30, now top 20, and, and really on the verge of top 10. Um, and then you've got the Pushkova sisters, I mean, plus, you know, Strakova. Gosh, they really can just dominate Fed Cup for a really long time if they wanted to, which is great to see. I completely agree, right on. And, um, Good, good, good points there. Anything else uh, that you want to uh, talk about or cover in Dubai before we move on? Well, you know, we talked about all the upsets, and and one player who is kind of trickling down the rankings is Radwanska, and we did talk about her last week and the fact she didn't 
she did not have a great start to the year. You know, she did lose to Venus in Australia, then lost both her Fed Cup matches. And she did start um, Dubai uh, by beating Garcia in three sets. And, of course, that's a tough – I mean, Garcia is a tough opponent. But uh, Aga lost 6-4, 6-2 to Muguruza. And, uh, you know, she's down to eight in the rankings. I actually hadn't realized – I mean, I'm sure I knew it, but sometimes you don't really notice things until, you know – your mind's ready to, and I thought, wow, she is actually has dropped down quite a bit in the rankings again. Um, you know, Garbine's obviously a tough player, but I got to think that this is just really not a great, still not a great year for, for Agnieszka. Um, I don't know if she's, I believe she's playing Doha next week, but, you know, I, I'm just not sure what if we're going to see much too soon from her. I, I really do hope that, you know, the, the Navratilova partnership is, is actually still going and that Martine has been able right. to be with her. I, I don't really know. I haven't seen anything about that on Twitter, but I think it's just still like a little bit of a, a flag on Agnieszka and, uh, you know, whether we're going to see any kind of turnaround um, in Indian Wells in Miami, but, you know, those those losses are are, are going to start definitely. Uh, she'll be feeling that a little bit. Do you, were you, I mean, were you surprised at that loss to Muguruza? I, I was. I, uh, maybe not the fact that it was an overall loss. The line score, yes. And uh, you know, going back to the uh, Martina Navratilova appointment, I, I really, you know, side by side, I, I thought that the Lindsay Davenport Madison Keys uh, partnership would would be more gradual, if you will, where where Madison would uh, they'd grow into that relationship and. and and Madison would would have some nice results here. There certainly I didn't see and envision uh, a semifinal uh, appearance at the Australian Open coming, and, and a, a very good fight there as well. I, I thought maybe we would see some more instant results with the Navratilova Radwanska partnership because Aga's already been there, if you will, and she she knows the drill. Um, it, I, I would have thought that the coaching, counseling, tutelage of, of Navratilova kind of perhaps providing some missing ingredients in, in Regnus's game, uh, given Martina being able to take a look at who she is, what the strengths are, what what can we still continue to work on. But, yeah, I, I really, as you mentioned, Steph, I hope that that partnership sticks around. Let's give it some more time. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm quite surprised at, uh, at, at Radwanska's start to 2015. Disappointing. I, I think that uh, you know Martina's name is on this right now too. So I, I think there, there's going to be some fight coming up uh, from from Radwanska. She certainly has it in her. I, I just hope that uh, they're able to correct uh, what, what's not working at this point. I don't think they're that far off, but as you know, it's a fine line on tour, and uh, you know a, a little blip or dip in in, in a match, and, and you're out the door. So um, absolutely. Um, yeah, I just another tournament you know, going. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, I just think, you know, just to close that, I just think she's just one of those players. You know, I don't put her in the same league as, as Kerber, who did, she did lose as well early and um, did drop out of the top ten last week. And But, you know, Radwanska is kind of getting into that zone now where, I mean, she, she doesn't want to follow the top eight seeds for a slam, that's for sure, or any tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, that just puts her against a whole different set of players, you know, having to to face the top players in the, in the in earlier round. So um, I just kind of have her in my slightly concerned, you know, box right now. But uh, we'll see. Plenty of time to turn things around, and hopefully Martina will will be able to see her um, in the U.S. tournaments 
you know, coming up because I just don't know if Martine is traveling with her. That's that's the thing um, I'm not really sure about. But uh, yes, watch this space, I guess. No, good, great, great point there. And um, also, uh, you know, we talked. Uh, Dubai is absolutely stacked. Uh, there's another tournament going on in, in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, Sarah Irani, the number 11 player, is the number one seed. The, the number eight seed, we go all the way down to uh, 83 Chanel Scapers uh, of South Africa. This is uh, Sarah Irani's first quarterfinal of the year. Um, not much to really report on there so much. Everything's going on in Dubai. But, Steph, last week a, a couple of uh, nice wins uh, from veterans. Andrea Petkovic saved, I think it was either eight or nine points, against the Belgian wild card, uh, Van Uyenteich, uh went on to win. Uh, we talked about uh, Suarez Navarro not able to play that final, but with that win, Andrea Petkovic back into the top ten since 2012. Very nice to see. And uh, concurrent in Pattaya City, Daniela Hentikova gets the seventh career title in, in her career, uh, taking out uh, Ayla Tomljanovic uh, in the final. Interesting. Petkovic uh, gets a performance by into Dubai, doesn't play a first round. Hentikova plays a final, wins it, and then uh, is playing the next day on Monday in the first round. Let's just talk about some of the accomplishments, uh, namely uh, what Andrea Petkovic was able to to do last week and uh, Daniela Hentikova, for that matter, as well. Yeah, with Petkovic, I mean, she did save eight match points, and I believe they were all on um, her opponent's serve. Uh, you know, it was just a real, very difficult match for her to get through. You could just see her fighting with, within herself to try to, you know, stay alive, and she did, you know, force the second, the third set in that match and go on to win it. Um but you know we've talked about i mean she she hadn't won a match until she got to fed cup and everything's just been a bit of a struggle for her but for her to crack the top 10 again after you know and it's been nearly 3 years you know you know she's been just plagued with injury after injury and not not little injuries i mean she's had some awful injuries that she's gone through and i know she's talked about the struggles you know the emotions and the mental struggle to try to understand why it kept happening to her you know and she is a very very likable player she's got such personality and uh it's great to see all that pay off for her to and to go back in the top 10 and yeah you know you mentioned the performance by it's quite interesting she and suarez navarro both got a, a performance by in dubai but but for whatever reason, Pattaya City wasn't, you know, finalists weren't offered the same, and I don't know the rules around that. But, you know, Arhanjakova, I mean, what is she, 31, I believe? Um, having, you know, she won a tough three-set match against Tomlanovich, which is great. It's her third win in Pattaya City. It's interesting, her seven career titles include three in Pattaya City and two Indian Wells titles, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, which is pretty amazing and obviously she does well in Thailand but for her to turn around and then play a tough opponent um in Mona Bardal who had obviously beaten Jeannie Bouchard in Antwerp I mean that was unbelievable uh turnaround and, and I saw people on Twitter just you know gushing with accolades for Daniela and you know saying how they just don't feel bad for other athletes in sports to talk about you know having to go across different time zone I mean this is a you know back-to-back um you know, sorry, wins for her in two different continents. I mean, she barely had 24 hours, and I know she said she got an hour of sleep before that match against Bartle, but unfortunately, I think, you know, she kind of ran on adrenaline probably that first day uh, against Mona, and then the next uh, day she, had, of course, had to play Halep. And I did watch most of that match, um, 
you could just see Daniela just had nothing left in her legs. And, you know, she was fighting as much as she could, but she did lose two in love to Halep, which, you know, we wouldn't even probably be surprised at that scoreline had it not been the ne- the next, you know, follow-up to her winning a title. But, um, you know, super huge props to Daniela. She's a player who's been around for a long time. You know, she's hired uh and is it Robert San Roberto Sanchez? I forgot. Ricardo, sorry, Ricardo Sanchez, who's coached people like Yankovic before. Um she hired him during the off season. She she obviously still is very committed to being a singles player. Um I was thrilled to see her win in in uh in T- Pattaya City and I am really curious of why she wouldn't have got a performance by as well in Dubai because she really <laughs> needed that day off. Any insight no, into that? Agree. I don't know the level of the tournament that they but you would think that it, it shouldn't matter at all what level the tournament is they really should extend that to the finalists for those both those tournaments I completely agree and and you know interestingly enough I just just concurrent to that uh uh, Luca Vani of the ATP, uh, you know, who had not won an ATP match in his career, got all the way to the final in South America, and got a special exception. And, and we flew uh, again, uh, not only a different continent. He went to play in France this week and had a, uh, you know, a first round match. So, uh, yeah, it, it, boy, if anybody's deserving of performance buys, certainly uh, you, we mentioned Petkovic and uh, Suarez Navarro, but Daniela Hantakova. Let's give her one as well, and and look of honey on the ATP. Boy, that's uh, that's that's a big ask. But yeah, I, I don't know uh, why that. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, the Antwerp uh, tournament uh, had I don't know maybe more prestige or something than uh, Pattaya City, where the the finalists there were able to get the performance by, and uh, Hentikova, who you know did yeoman's work to uh, not only win the title but also win her first round match in in Dubai as well. But uh, that that said. She has already a lot of fans, but uh, won a heck of a lot more with with that effort and, and fight. And uh, you know, winning an ATP match uh, and one hour sleep for somebody who just took out Bouchard the, the previous week, absolutely. And um, stuff uh, you you had mentioned a couple other things when we put the show together. Serena Williams, number one in the world now for for two consecutive calendar years, 105 weeks altogether. Uh, you mentioned longest reign at number one since Steffi Graf uh, did that for four years. And I, I think, you know, a lot of us have, uh, not not a lot of tennis fans per se, but I, possibly a lot of sports fans may have maybe taken Serena Williams for granted. This is one heck of an accomplishment. And uh, I don't, I don't know, in my opinion, it's not being trumpeted nearly enough uh, with respect to uh the world news and and what Serena Williams has been able to accomplish. Your your thoughts on number one, how hard it is to do this and accomplish, and and number two, maybe uh, why we haven't heard uh, more about it because it's certainly deserved. You know, it's funny. All the years that Serena was, I guess it's funny. I'm you know I'm not a casual tennis fan. I've been a, a massive tennis fan for years, so I've been part of. I've watched Serena's entire career. I know her ups and downs. I know the times where she was not a top-ranked player and she still won slams. But to a lot of casual fans, I think they just always assume that Serena was number one. <laughs> but she really wasn't. You know, she has been the year-end number one. I think she's done it four times now. Um, yeah, she first did it in 2002, then in 2009, and then in 2013 and 14. Um, but for many, many years. You know, when she was winning slams, she she just wasn't always number one. 
Um, and I think for someone like me, I mean, I normally give a lot more weight to slams than anything else, including the number one ranking. I would say the same with Rafa Nadal. I don't really care if he's number one. He doesn't always play his best as number one. And, you know, but with Serena this last time, I mean, with that, with that win over Petra, and she knew that had, you know, with, she, with that win over Petra, she would clinch number one again. And I actually was cleaning out my Twitter favorites yesterday, and I came across a picture that someone had tweeted of her when she knelt on the court and looked at the sky or the ceiling of the stadium. And, you know, it was just in disbelief after all that she had been through with her pulmonary embolism and the blood clots and everything that she had gone through, that she was back at number one. And through the last two years, obviously we have seen this absolutely amazing consistency from Serena. Last year, okay, it wasn't as great as two thousand half of two thousand twelve and all of two thousand thirteen. But I think because everyone's so focused on the slams, I think that the number one side of it kind of gets overshadowed, which fair enough. But I think now that it's been a hundred and five weeks that's the fourth highest of consecutive streak of all time. Um, Steffi Graf leads the way with 186. I mean, that's during that, that reign she had um, in the late 80s and early 90s. But Serena's only eight weeks away from overtaking another Chris Everett record because Chris Everett had 113 consecutive weeks at number one. Number two is Martina with 156. So at the moment, Serena's you know consecutive weeks is just, you know, she's closing in on, on number three. Um, for the most. She's already at number four for the total um, most weeks ever with 228. But, you know, two solid years, you just don't really see that a lot. And I just I just do think that it's just kind of being lost because most people are talking about 18, 19, 20, 22, and they're not really talking about the records that she's um, also achieving in other areas. And but the 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 two straight years blows my mind. I mean, she did almost lose at the end of last year. It's definitely a lot closer now than it was, you know, two you know a year ago. But um, you're right. It I I do think it deserves a little bit more attention. Um, but when I saw this announced this week, I it does hit you when her name is just put up next to Groff all the time because obviously Steffi achieved enormous records, but Serena is is really closing in on a lot of those, so it's pretty incredible. Completely agree and and, uh, would like to see more uh, publicity and promotion with respect to the wonderful uh, and very successful that's still going and continuing, and Serena's piling up the numbers not only at uh, consecutive weeks but also, uh, you know, the majors. Uh, She... We'll see what she's able to accomplish for the rest of uh, 2015. And, and again, uh, the very special appearance of Serena Williams at Indian Wills in about three weeks' time. And uh, last point of the night tonight, Steph, uh, Victoria Azarenka has announced a new coach. What can you tell us about that? Right. Well, you know, we've... Twitter tennis Twitter's been been waiting to find out what happened after uh, Azarenka's previous coach of five years, Sam Sumick, uh, jumped ship and and went to Jeannie Bouchard, and Azarenka hadn't really said anything one way or another about 
Sam leaving or anything at all. And uh, but she did some pictures leaked out a few days ago, and then she confirmed it that Wim Fissett is her new coach. Now he coached Kim Kleisters in 2009 through 2011 when Kim obviously came back from having a child and and you know soared and won a couple majors. And Wim ended up apparently used to be just a hitting partner of Kleisters. Um, in her first part of her career. And then last year, Wim Fissette worked with Halep, and she kind of dropped him towards the end of last year and said that she she would prefer to, to have a Romanian coach. Um, and actually, Wim was supposed to be working with Madison Keys, and that was announced um, end of last year as well, but it just turned out that that John Leach, Lindsay's husband, was able to kind of work with her, and so Wim didn't end up having a role with with Madison so he's obviously someone who has worked with, with top players, with slam winners like Kleisters. And so Azarenka has snapped him up. I did see a tweet that it was just for the week in Doha, um, but I haven't really seen any follow-up on that, you know, whether it's just a, you know, for right now they're just going to see how it goes or if they have a full commitment with each other. But, um, you know, that's exciting news. It'll be good to see, uh, uh, you know, how that dynamic works. And, and there was a... Christopher Clary of the New York Times has been doing a great job um, writing about Azarenka. He's written two really great um, interviews uh, with her in in the last few months. And the one that was published this week, she did talk about what happened with with Sumik. And, you know, it just sounded like he he said to her, look, I feel like I need to let you go and let you grow, basically, and, and thought that having a fresh you know, fresh perspective on her career was a good thing. And, uh, you know, I I think that's true. I, I mean, I think that, you know, change is a good thing. And so hopefully um, with some new input on her team, you know, Vika can kind of get back towards the top because she does have a long climb. She is ranked around 50 right now. Um, it's sometimes hard to believe that she really has fallen that much, but she really, you know, she's had so many injuries last year. But I'm looking forward to that partnership. I can't say that I, I know a lot about Fissette. I didn't. You know, 2009 to 11, I was living in New Zealand. My tennis watching was was difficult. So when people cry about time differences, I I think they literally have no idea how hard it can be when you live in uh, Australasia. But, um, you know, obviously he's had great successes, so I hope that that continues with Azarenka. But was that a a partnership that surprised you at all? Uh, You you set the table really uh, nicely discussing Fissette, and uh, I I think, you know, Azarenka is looking at uh, the best possible scenario at this point. Uh, I think what does surprise me is the fact that uh, uh, you mentioned uh, looking at it for Doha, and obviously Doha's next week, as is Alcapulco on the the ladies' tour, but I I would have maybe, uh, I'm sure, some things can be done in a week, but... uh, only you know this is for this next week if as you as you mentioned that uh, you had read but uh, what surprises me is not the selection but possibly the time frame and uh, I I would think that uh, you know a uh, portion of the season and you know whether that be the hard courts the clay courts to to work with somebody rather than just say uh, you know a one off if you will on a tournament so I I, I hope uh, for for both uh, player and coach's sake that this could be uh, a win-win, literally, and um, I I think it will be. You mentioned Vika's, uh, you know, floating around the 50s or so in the rankings. She knows what it takes to get back there. Uh, Obviously, her her body needs to uh, cooperate with her with respect to that. Showed some nice flashes, uh, a nice win over uh, Wozniacki at the Australian Open, obviously. She knows how to conduct business there, and uh, you mentioned 
the the players that Duffer said has worked with Kleisters and and Hollop. This is good. There's going to be some some different wrinkles, if you will, for Azarenka with respect to whom he's worked with, and uh, I think could uh, he's going to take a look at what Vika's doing, what she's not doing. I think we're going to see improved uh, Victoria Azarenka. Hopefully, the the health will uh, will cooperate with her. But um, no, not surprised by uh, by the assignment, the appointment. Uh, credit to both uh, player and coach. I, I think uh, they both got what they wanted here. I, I just hope that uh, you know they give it obviously certainly longer than than one week's time. They need more time than that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I believe that that tweet was from a Belgian, um, I believe he's a former player, someone inv- quite involved with the Belgian tennis, and so he's the one that first tweeted that it was that it was a week, but then Vika didn't really allude to any time frame at all when she tweeted a picture of them. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. You you know, I remember a couple of years ago, Wozniacki was kind of, I don't know if she was under pressure, but obviously felt the need to kind of throw in new coaches and I think, you know, in addition, in addition to her father, who has obviously been her coach for life, but, you know, she did keep, there was like a little bit of a, you know, a carousel of people coming in and out um, as her coach, and they were all quite short-term. And I think Sloane Stevens has, has gone through the same thing where she's just, you know, kind of works in chunks with people and then obviously mm-hmm. decides for whatever reason they're not working out. And, you know, there is something about, routine and stability that a lot of players do better under. And I think because Vika did have Sam for five years, I think she obviously does like the consistency in her team. So one could only hope that that was just some misinformation and that they do have a pretty good commitment. But uh, definitely excited to see um, Victoria back next week in Doha. She is one of the players that didn't play in Dubai this week. And she's always an exciting player to be back in the mix now that um, she's not going to be a seated player anywhere anytime soon, so uh, don't, should be a great one next week. Indeed. I uh, look forward to, uh, obviously, the uh, Dubai semifinals and finals coming up here uh, the next couple of days, as well as uh, a couple of nice tournaments in, in Doha and Acapulco. And uh, anything, uh, anything to add in closing, Steph, before we wrap this one up and uh, get ready for next Thursday's show? Nope. We've covered a lot, as usual, and it was great to have Maria on to really, you know, talk about yeah. – um, you know, the the event and surprise, and, you know, there's such a great calendar of pro circuit and ITF events, and I it's nice now that we've been able to have the live scoring, the live streaming, because, I mean, this is a fundamental part of the WTA Tour. I mean, they're not WTA Tour events, but it's all part of our tennis world, and so it's, it is really nice to be able to talk to someone like Maria, who played in the college circuit and now is, is still trying to really – push through on the WTA and, uh, you know, look forward to hopefully seeing her do well tomorrow in surprise. Correct. Uh, I will be there in person. Uh, looking forward to seeing Mar- uh, Maria Sanchez play. Uh, a band is going to play as well. CeCe Bellis is in action tomorrow. So uh, a 25,000 uh, challenger in surprise Arizona, but uh, some, some big names, some uh, names that uh, – Plenty of tennis fans are very familiar with, and 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 the youngsters, the up and coming uh, players, looking forward to being able to see them first uh, firsthand tomorrow in Surprise, Arizona. Should be nice. Uh, should be 82 degrees out there, uh, the northwest part of Phoenix. So, on behalf of Maria Sanchez, Stephanie Neppel, this is Pete Zeton saying good night, and we'll see you next Thursday on Passing Shots on the Pro Ten Radio Network. Good night.
Rattle, folks. 